Welcome to Subscriptions for Authors. Meet your co-hosts, Michael Evans, sci-fi thriller author of a dozen novels, and Amelia Rose, a semi-romance author that makes six figures per year in subscriptions. Together, we will help you make more money with subscriptions and succeed in the future of publishing. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Subscriptions for Authors podcast. I'm in Vegas. That's partially why it's loud, but it's 20 books a week, and... We have a really exciting podcast with Abby Goldsmith, all about getting your first thousand followers on Railroad, her journey in serials, and her incredible publishing journey over the last decade, right in her magnum opus. And then what's happened in the last year as she's been able to get a publishing deal, her first book's out now, all because of her incredible progress and growth on the serial fiction using Railroad. She also has subscription. Abby's amazing. So inspiring talking to her. So hope you enjoy this episode. But if you're if you're new here, welcome to Scriptures for this podcast. We talk all about how to start and grow your subscription as a fiction author. Right now, I'm actually at 20 Books Vegas, one of the biggest author conferences in the world. And the fun thing is we actually have our own conference all about subscriptions. It's called the Subscriptions for Authors Summit. And if you want to attend, you can find the link in the description at summit.subscriptionsforauthors.com. We're announcing the speakers on December 9th. We might announce it a little early. Might announce it a little early. But December 9th is our current date where we're going to announce the speakers. It'll be so much fun. And early bird pricing is available now. So I hope you check that out. And if you also haven't read the Subscriptions for Authors book, it's completely for free. And you can get it on our mailing list. So you can sign up for below. You'll enjoy it. Hello to everyone who I met at 20 Books. If you ever see me at a conference, I'd love to meet you. Love to give you a hug or shake hands or fist bump, whatever you're into. I'm so excited to meet you. So grateful for all the support in the community. And I'll catch you on the flip side of this podcast. Abby, I am so excited to chat with you today on the Scriptions for Others podcast. Now, I want to talk about how you've gotten your start on Railroad and gained over a thousand followers. I think it's just such an amazing accomplishment. But before we get there, I wanna know how you got started off in the indie author space. Cause I know this is far from your first endeavor in a creative industry, far from your first endeavor. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Like I've always been a storyteller and I've been writing since I was a child. I mean, that, that's just always been a thing. And I got sidetracked. I got a, an early rejection letter when I was 12. And I was like, oh, I can't be an author then. So I'm going to have to be a filmmaker. So so I went to a school for animation, CalArts, and I made student films. They got into film festivals. And then I ended up working in video games. And sometime around my 20s, I was like, do I want to spend my life building other people's dreams, making lots and lots of SpongeBob games? Or do I want to do my own stories, which is why I, I got into the creative industry in the first place. So then I started writing prose fiction again. What, what an amazing start. And I, I saw that you had gotten your work personally critiqued by George or R. Martin, which just seems like I have to I have to ask about that just to nerd out with you. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really awesome. That was a highlight of my time at the Odyssey Fantasy Writing Workshop. So this was a while ago before the HBO show came out. So he wasn't that big a name yet. He was he was a well-known author, but not superstar level. And I was a big fan and I saw that he was going to be teaching at that workshop. So they accept 16 students per year and I was one of them. And I was like, all right. Yeah. So yeah, he critiqued the first chapter of an early draft of Majority, actually. And he really liked it. He gave a really positive, like he, he went on for about an hour. I mean, I wish I had recorded it, but this was before like easy recording with cell phones. It was before smartphones. I didn't record it. Wow. No, I can only, yeah, that that's definitely a moment. I think the person who like I've had who like I've really admired was um, one of Veronica Roth's basically her lit agent had critique one of my work for a workshop I did and that was like a big nerd out moment for me because like I just oh my god I love Veronica Roth was one of the people who got me into writing like if it wasn't for like her, 
Hunger Games and then, of course, Divergent when she wrote. So it was one of those moments. So I'm totally with you there. But obviously, you go from Nickelodeon game content writing to then publishing Unreal Road. And I'm curious, what got you to start serializing there? What made you feel like Royal Road was a good platform for you? Yeah, I mean, that was interesting, too. I had heard really good things about it for years from mostly from kind of, you know, I worked in video games. So guys that were a little bit on maybe on the autistic spectrum, a lot of programmers were reading on Royal Road and I'd been hearing about it, but I always like kind of dismissed it in my mind. Like, ah, it's probably just some silly website that's not really worth looking at, which I regret now. That was really dismissive. And so anyway, so I was, I kept aiming for big five traditional publishing. I wanted the big deal. And I slowly just began to realize they weren't going to ever buy what I was selling. Like they're not looking for certain things. And I think like epic heroic fiction is one of those things. So I was like, well, all right, they don't want like really heroic kind of swashbuckling chosen one heroes that's just not in right now and so yeah i started to serialize online and i looked at wattpad first because wattpad had such a big audience it had like 96 million users or something at the time yeah so i was like well clearly i need to go on wattpad and and i had a, a friend who was a fantasy romance author that was doing really well on there and so she spoke very highly of it so i was like oh well I've got to go on Wattpad. And, uh, and I did, and I did get a pretty good audience on there, actually. And it was fun. I, start, I started to really love, that's when I started to love serialization. I was like, well, this is great. I'm getting like people voting on my chapters and commenting and the fans talk to each other. So the, community, the community was there, yeah. But Wattpad, like they kind of, they, they've kind of become a very big corporation and they kind of are doing the big corporate thing now where discovery is kind of broken on the platform and it's not as good as it was. And I think there's still some opportunities there, especially if you write romance, but yeah, yeah sci-fi fantasy is very difficult there. So I kept, and then of course I kept hearing like just lately in the last three or four years, there are authors on Royal Road that were earning a full-time living, like using Royal Road as a launching pad. And then they were like, oh, well, you know. I sell my advanced chapters on Patreon and I make six figures a year. And I was yeah. like, okay, so something's happening there that is not happening on Wattpad and I better find out. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're definitely right about the, the railroad to subscription pipeline, even into like KU and Audible and everything. Like people have done tremendous coming out of railroad, but for you getting started on railroad, you've had an amazing start there as well. But talk to me about how you got started and a little bit about the platform, because I know like Wattpad discovery is broken. But obviously, with that statement, I'm getting the idea that on Royal Road, it's not quite as broken. It's maybe better. So how have you found discovery on Royal Road, both, you know, qualitatively, how have you found it? But then also, how did you actually do it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I studied it. Like I was really, before I launched on it, I looked at it, you know, I joined a bunch of discords that were Royal Road authors, and I kept asking them questions. I dug into the forums there. I was looking at what the successful authors were doing and just how exactly you can hit success there. And, you know, the number one thing is you've got to hit the rising stars list. That is what brings you visibility. And to hit that, you've got to rapid release your chapters. So, you know, if you have a big backlog, that's like a superpower on Royal Road. And that that's pretty much all everyone was saying. And I was sitting there thinking, well, I have that. I mean, I wrote 500 chapters. I mean, I can easily, I can keep pumping out chapters for years without any trouble. <laughs> And that was actually kind of funny because I would tell that to people on Royal Road, like the authors there, and they'd be like, oh, no, I have to write faster. And I was like, no, I didn't just start this over the weekend. Like, this has been a thing that's been for years for me. Yeah, but there's a lot of competition there to write fast. Yeah. So when I when I talk to your writers, it's always like, what's your strategy? Like, how many chapters ahead are you at? What's your release schedule? 
and 500 chapters ahead is like a totally other level. Talking about this, because you obviously have your Torth, you know, universe, your Torth world. It's, you've been working on this for years. Like, uh, now I'm curious, like, tell me how it was starting on that series. And then Royal Road seems to be the first place you released it. So there there's, seems to be like a, a big gap of time between starting to work on it and then the first release. And I would love to know a bit what happened in the middle. Yeah, well, honestly, a lot of that was serialized. I serialized it on Wattpad at about one chapter per week. Okay. So that took seven years. <laughs> you were on Wattpad for seven years. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I know. Under the radar, right? Yeah, it's funny because that's what's interesting is doing it over that long a period of time. It's like, I still have readers that are fans that were reading with it for all that time. But some people come and go, like people graduate college, they get their life happens. And, you know, so there were people kind of picking it up and putting it down. But there were definitely readers that stuck with it for the entire seven years, too. I mean, yeah, that's so on, on Wattpad did because so many authors I talked to, like, I mean, first of all, like huge congratulations on sticking with it for seven years. It's a huge accomplishment. But also with that, how did you stick with it for seven years? Because a lot of authors I talk to, they really want to blow up, right? They really want to be huge. So not getting to like thousands and thousands of Wattpad followers after like a year or maybe two years might discourage someone. And you stuck with it for like seven years while I'm sure you still had a day job and other things going on in your life. How were you staying for that long because that's that's like a beyond a feat that's like an ultra marathon yeah i i mean i'm just kind of crazy that way like i still have a day job i mean so i really this this story is kind of a magnum opus story for me mm. and i've always wanted to tell it and honestly so i was shopping around that book book one majority to traditional big five agents and so forth for years even before i started on wattpad and yeah i mean i was I was kind of beating myself up. I was in a dark place during that time. I was like, you know, I was like, well, this is failure. I can't fail. That's impossible. I'm, I'm an overachiever. So, I mean, I feel like there's kind of a type of person that sometimes is like this. And I'm that type, which is like 4.0 student, you know, top of the class, like valedictorian type of type of time. I just, I can't fail. So like to me, accepting failure was a major, major roadblock for me. I just couldn't do it. So yeah, I, I just refused. I was like, no, no, impossible. And That's so, really so anyway, that, yeah, that got me stuck for a long time where I was rewriting book one again and again, and, you know, rewriting my query letter 800 times. And finally, when I started serializing, that's when I finished the rest of the series. And I was so encouraged by all the reader reactions, not to mention my husband. So, so I met my husband around 10 or 11 years ago. And yeah, so he's a reader. He's a big fan of like a lot of the books I'm a fan of, and he loves my work. So that helped. That kind of encouragement really helped. Wow. Yep. Okay. That's, first of all, thank you for being open about that. I've personally had very similar struggles where I'm like you, definitely, I would say overachiever type, definitely. And I always want to be, you know, doing the best at what I do. And, you know, also like love building these big worlds. And like, it's tough when you put your heart and soul into something and it doesn't pay off the way you want it to immediately or on the time scale you want. And you can feel like you are a piece of trash sometimes. Like I know I've felt that. So I say that like being there and to be honest, like it, it, having like actual kind words of encouragement for other people, knowing that like, even if it's just a few people, I'm not out there alone. Like I'm writing with others that actually care about this story. You know, that, that is one of the biggest benefits as a writer to, to serials. And I am, I'm really happy that you were able to like jump into Wattpad, jump into serials and like have that give you energy to keep going because clearly this Magnus, magnum opus of yours has had tremendous legs. People are loving it. And you now have written much more than just one book. You are at 
at least six that I know are going to be out over the next couple of years, which is tremendous. Yeah, thank you. It's that it was it's 1.1 million words and it's a fully written, pre-written series. So I'm actually really proud of the result because I feel like a lot of authors, they serialize or they write a series without knowing how it's going to end or without a very clear idea of it. And then once they have an audience or a publisher, they're locked in to the direction the story has taken and they yeah. can't go back. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of what happened with George R. R. Martin and like a lot of other authors. And with mine though, like, because I really had a pretty small audience, I was able to retroactively go back and I mean, I, I had probably a good hundred readers or so by, by books six and seven, which seven, I'm saying seven, there's actually six that are going to be published because I combined two of them. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, old habit. Uh, so it was seven for a long time. But anyway, yeah, it, the last few books, basically. Yeah, I had some audience there and I actually, on Wattpad, I changed the names of the main characters halfway through. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Maybe so. not date. I imagine that took some time to go back. Unless, I guess, if you were writing in like Word or like, you know, the, wherever your dog was, you could just control that. But in Wattpad, you probably had to go back to each chapter, right? And take it out. I And I didn't for years. So So I just basically put a note like on book four, like at the beginning saying, Sorry, you know, the characters you know as Alex is now Ari Ock and, you know, so forth. And I had to just tell them. And I I got a couple people that were a little pissed off, but mostly they rolled with that because they know that it's, you know, it's Wattpad. No, that's smart. That's a good tip. Like if you make a big change and you like going back and updating, it's going to be too much. Just tell them, hey, you know, this has changed. Now let's continue. I like Yeah. That. I like that. No, no. And now, like Unreal Road, you got it well over a thousand followers there, which is, I know, a mark that a lot of, like, that, that's a big mark that a lot of authors want to hit. You've had hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, you know, reads on that platform. What would be your advice for someone who also wants to reach a thousand followers in Unreal Road? I mean, the backlog really is key. So I'm actually writing a new series now and I'm going to do it again. I, like, my plan is to, to launch on Unreal Road again. And I'm building backlog. I'm probably going to not launch until I have a hundred chapters written. Yeah, that that takes discipline, but I also think like it's a good strategy. You'll you'll be able to get out the first ten very quickly for rising stars. Have you found like I know in Wattpad advice that Amelia has given a lot, my co-host of the podcast is responding to comments, being helpful, things of that nature. But I know that the communities on Wattpad and Royal Road tend to be different. So they're different. Hey, they are definitely different. So how have you found that aspect of it? Like is responding to comments important on Royal Road and engaging with the community in that way? Or is it just continuing to write the chapters more? Like what do you find has also worked in addition to like, you know, hitting the rising stars, like to help build your community there? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, like, I was a little shocked when I first started on Royal Road because seven years on Wattpad, everyone was super supportive, really, really nice. Comments were great. On Royal Road, I got like this 14-year-old boy peanut gallery where, you know, they were like, he should go murder Hubble. Why isn't he just murdering everyone? I don't understand. I hate this, you know, like talking about raping characters and stuff. And I was like, you know, calm down, my God. So, so yeah, like I was a little shocked by some of these. To be honest, like it was really only one or two really bad players, really bad commenters. And the other commenters would kind of like shout them down after a while. So those comments kind of take care of themselves in some ways, or you, you can block them. Well, can Yeah. Can you as the author like block comments and make it so that other people can't see them? You can. Yeah. You yep. can block a user. You can block comments. And I probably should have for one of them. And I didn't. But he left on his own. <laughs> well, I'm not getting a reaction here. So maybe I should just spend my energy doing something else. Yeah. Yeah. But the other aspect of all that, I realized that. So a lot of the readers on Railroad, they come from the Japanese light novel 
kind of in manga readers and cozy fantasy. So they like lighthearted, silly stuff for the most part. And I've been writing very dark, very heavy stuff. And so they weren't prepared for that. And the comments kind of reflected that. Like they were like, this is really dark. This is really, really dark. I don't like this. This is like a nuclear bomb going off in my head. I can't stand it. You know, and so basically I had to start cutting warnings all over it. I put like warnings on the <laughs> on the front page, like saying, you know, there are no easy wins. The characters are going to get beaten up quite a lot in the first book. This is grim dark. This is dark. You know, I just had to put warnings all over it for myself. Yeah. I actually really like that strategy because when you're like really upfront with readers about what they're going to get, like, sure, you're going to turn some away who are like, no, I'm not here for that. But you'd rather turn the ones who are not going to be happy away and just keep the ones in who are like, actually, this is exactly what I was looking for. That's exactly what you want. So I think that's good that you learned that. And then we're like, I'm going to change that in the front end. Um, yeah, that, that's huge. What did you also see? Because one of the big things, like, I mean, you literally have like hundreds and hundreds of chapters in your serial up on Railroad. How have you been able to keep readers engaged over time throughout the story? Is there any sort of plotting techniques or story structure or writing tactics that you have to be able to hook readers and keep them into your serial for literally at this point, but probably take a, even a really fast reader, like dozens of hours to finish. Oh, yes, sadly. It's a big series for oh, sure. Great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think really for me personally, I really like shifting interpersonal power dynamics. So, you know, some of my favorite series are like Wheel of Time, uh, Otherland, you know, Game of Thrones, like those kind of series where you have like a large cast of characters and you, you have like very highly dynamic, shifting interpersonal power plays going on. And so, yeah, the reader is going to be invested because they're like, okay, well, is this, this victim character ever going to finally overthrow their oppressor? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, I love it. It's um, something that uh, Kimbu York, who has been on this podcast before, and she recently wrote a book all about plotting serials, talks all about like the overlapping short arcs that you have going on getting people invested in the different characters that there's always something, even if you've closed up one loop, there's always something to want to keep coming back for. Um, yeah, I know that that's brilliant. And on top of all of this, I know that you also, the co-host of a podcast and not just any podcast, but a podcast really for science fiction and fantasy lovers, both readers. And it seems like you all also do content focused on manga, manga and a bunch of other things. So talk to me about, you know, how that came to be. seems like podcast it's called story for nerds it's been going on for a very long time now so talk to me about how that podcast has been how you've been able to keep up with that and what you've learned throughout that process yeah i mean honestly this is just kind of a labor of love podcast so it's it's conversational style and i met my two co-hosts at the superstars writing seminar which is uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yep so that's that's something that's run every year in colorado and it's like a three-day seminar and I recommend it. It's it's worth going to. So yeah, we met there and we we just were like, let's do this. It sounded like a good idea. Oh my gosh. So you started the podcast and throughout running the podcast, has it been something that because I know a lot of authors have thought about starting podcasts, have you know, enjoyed listening to podcasts. Is it something that's been able to help you? in your writing career and if so how yeah i mean so honestly i'm not so sure it's really i wish i could say yeah definitely some podcasts i think i don't know but it's it's just like i think it's a good way to keep your name out there to possibly get more of an audience 
I mean, it's it's been worth doing. I mean, for all of us, I think it's it's kind of a low effort. We're not like putting a ton and ton of time and effort into this one. I've considered doing that. So I used to run a YouTube show for writers called Aspiring Sci-Fi Fantasy Writers on YouTube. Yeah. And and I've considered starting that up again as well. But all of this stuff takes time and time away from writing and all that. So it's kind of like you have to make trade-offs. Yeah. yeah. No, there's definitely, there's always trade-offs. It's it, it's impressive that you've been able to balance everything that you're doing, but it's also important to like just focus in on what you love. And one thing that I want to ask before I shift to talking about your recent book release, which is super exciting, is I am super impressed by the character art on your website. Like, it's amazing. And I'm just curious, like, did you make it? Did someone else make it? Like, it's oh, thank you. really good. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, I'm the artist. Yeah, I went to school for animation, so I'm, I do have some uh, art ability. No, you really have art ability. It's amazing. Thank you. Just check out Abby's website, link below, just to look at the character art, like alone is, is worth the visit. Cause I saw that and I was like, this is like, exactly. It makes animation. This could all be part of a cartoon show. You could have your own cartoon show, like right there. Yeah. If I had a uh, hundred more years in my lifetime. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know the time, but. You, I can definitely see too that you've built in your universe the ability to potentially be in other mediums. Like that would be a, a fun thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm always joking. Like I could have a theme park like Harry Potter. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it would make a great adaptation. But if anyone's listening yeah. could adapt things. I mean, clearly someone was listening because I know that your book got published majority by Podium Audio. Yes. That's super exciting. So. How has it been? Because you, I mean, Podium, let's talk for Redshift Don't, because a lot of people might know like, hey, I know what Podium is. But a lot of people listening might not know what Podium is. So how would you, first of all, describe what Podium is to an author who might not know? Yeah, they are an up and coming indie publisher. So they're not with the big five. The big five are mega conglomerates that own like some of the major imprints. And then there's like small press publishers that kind of struggling and they're, they're more or less, I'd say small press is a lot like self-publishing in a lot of ways. But a publisher like Podium is kind of considered mid-sized and they they do kind of some of what indie publishers do and some of what the traditional publishers do. They're kind of like a blend. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I think it's a really good way to describe it. And Podium as well is pretty much just focused on audio to my knowledge. No. No? No, no, no. no. They, no. they used to be, but in the last couple of years, they've been branching out into ebooks and print. Yeah. Are they doing your ebooks or just your audio? They're doing my ebooks and print as well as audio. Yep. Hi. Okay. Um. They did offer me the the option to do just audio. And so they're very flexible. I think they're great to work with. They're very author friendly, you know, so they're not they're Like, I think like big five, they tend to just kind of give instructions on high and they're like, this is how we're going to do it. And the author has to do what they say. Podium is a little more flexible in a lot of ways. So, you know, and, and there definitely are Royal Road authors who take the just audio deal so they can keep the royalties for the print and the ebook. And I personally chose to have them handle basically all the English world rights because it's my magnum opus project and I just wanted it in professional hands. I so, yeah. Yeah. And how did you go from Royal Road to getting published by them? Did you submit to them? Did they approach you? How did that process work of you know, obviously once Podium offers you the deal, that's amazing. But how did you actually get to that point? Yeah, they did offer the deal. The way I see it, there's a little bit of a feeding frenzy going on in Royal Road right now in the last couple of years. So there's a bunch of publishers, Podium, Athon, and a number of others that they just look for authors that are hitting rising stars and gaining a lot of followers and they'll make them an offer. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically what happened to you. You just got scouted out by this and they offered. Yeah. Wow. 
That's super cool. I mean, huge congrats, first of all, Matt. And I'm curious on the publishing timeline, because obviously you're saying it's like a hybrid between indie and trad from start to finish, because normally I know the trad cycle is like 18-ish months. I mean, it can be sped up for specific reasons, like a memoir that's specifically timed, but generally 18 months. What was the timeline like from like, you know, you signed the deal to now very recently, literally just a couple weeks ago, your book was released. What was that time? It's a whirlwind of craziness. Yeah, so... I have to say the entire process from starting on Roller Road to getting the deal to getting it published. Whoa, this has been a year. I mean, it was like nonstop craziness and more than I expected. Because, yeah, first of all, like derealizing on Royal Road, I thought, oh, you know, well, I'll just put up a few chapters and then I can slow down if I need to. No, you cannot slow down. Once you put your foot on that accelerator, you have to keep pressing the accelerator or you start losing readers. So they're a very demanding audience on Royal Road. So basically, you know, I was I was posting, I started out at an insane rate of four chapters per day. And yeah, and you'd think I was like, well, that's a lot. I can slow down easily. Nope, nope. I started to slow down and I started getting like really angry reviews and people complaining. And I was like, oh, well then. Um, yeah, so keep that in mind if you start a royal road. Like whatever pace you set, they're going to expect it. So yeah, and far as expectations, because I know you've done a lot of research on royal road, like four chapters a day is a lot. Like, what are other authors doing? Because I know not you that. Are, yeah, four chapters <laughs> a day. If you're if you're listening, you don't have to go out and do four chapters a day to succeed on railroad. No, you don't. That's insane, and don't ever do it. And I will never do that again. Okay. <laughs> so maybe a chapter every weekday, or a few chapters a week, is maybe more sustainable for folks. Yeah. Well, to start out with, you probably should do a chapter per day at the very least. But you can slow down after, and I did slow down to one chapter per day eventually. What was yeah. it? How many chapters were you in? Uh, I was at least 200 chapters in, two, maybe 300. Yeah, wow. it was a lot. Yeah, so I, I finally took the breaks off once I'd, I'd gotten the podium deal. I was like, I had my Patreon going pretty well and all that. And I was like, all right, I'm taking the breaks off no matter what. I know everyone's going to complain, but I'm just, I, I can't keep this pace up. I'm going to like, I was like losing sleep. Yeah. So Yeah, just, I can't imagine. That's, that's so much just to even like, Never, just the avid work involved, never mind like, you know, the editing, everything else that goes into it. So, and to be clear, so, because I know you just started on Railroad, like, girl, this literally has all happened in this calendar year, pretty much? Yes, literally. Yeah. Like, so I started on Railroad in like I mean, late December. Wow. That's yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's see how this does on Railroad. And it started to take off. And then, yeah, once it did that, I had to keep the foot on the accelerator. And then I got the offer from Podium in February. So that was like two months later or less than two months later, I think. Yeah. And yeah. And then from there to publication, it just came out um, in September. So and we're talking full audiobook production, cover art, editing, all of that. And I yeah, they've had me edit, do copy edits on books two, three and four by now. I'm looking at the cover art for book two. Um. So, yeah, they're. They have a production schedule and they stick to it. That's really cool that they were able to turn it around like that. And now that the first book has been out, you know, on the retailers, how, how is that going? How has it been to, I mean, first of all, I'm guessing this is the first time you've like actually held a copy of your book, right? That's Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a crazy mixed bag. I've learned a lot from this experience. I mean. I was originally going to self-publish it, so I, I had different expectations originally. So I was a little, I had some criticisms about the cover art, and, you know, I'm not sure if I was right or wrong on that. Eh, but I mean, anyway, like, yeah, now as for how it's taken off on Amazon, it's not taken off the way I'd hoped, of course. I mean, I guess most authors want to see 
you know, a huge influx from Amazon, Kindle Unlimited. But there's definitely all kinds of different factors involved there. And I've learned a lot about that. You know, so there's a lot to do with Amazon categories. There's a lot to do with the way it's being presented. And my book is weird. It's like it doesn't quite fit in a normal genre. So it's not lit RPG. So Podium can do very well with selling lit RPG, military sci-fi, and in certain genres where they hit it squarely. Mine is cross-genre. It's been kind of sold as YA in some circles and adult science fiction and other circles. So I think there's some confusion about the audience targeting, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because it's well, looking to your next series, right? How are you approaching the targeting categories, thinking through that. Is that something that you're considering more heavily? Or yeah, I'm curious how you've taken those learnings going forward, if, if that's something you've been taking into account. I mean, to some degree, but but to be honest, like I write for fun. I write because I love it and I want to tell the stories I want to tell. So I don't think I'm ever going to be a right to market author. I mean, I love reading too, and I, I write the stories I want to read. And I know there's an audience for that, but targeting that audience, that can be tricky. Yeah. I mean, I love that you're doing what you want to do. That's what matters. Definitely, as you're already proving, you don't need to write to market to be successful. You know, the only thing is that if you do write to market, maybe it's a little bit easier to package it. But, you know, that's that's okay. I personally really like your cover, but I understand how reader expectations can, you know, they have certain things they expect in covers and or at least in the stories that embody those covers. But no, that is that is all very interesting. And the one thing that I guess we saved till towards the end of this conversation, but your Patreon, I know right now you currently have 20 members on that. Seems to be doing really well. It's a very healthy subscription, but talk to me about that because it, I'm guessing that also was a product of this last year too. Like, am I right about that? Well, actually, no, I started that on Wattpad. Okay. Um, After a while. I, I started at the request of a reader on Wattpad where they said, they said, I'll pay any amount to read ahead. Like, you know, something like, like, where's your Patreon? Why don't you have a Patreon? You know, I was like, huh. I mean, I did write ahead. Maybe I should start a Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I did start it there. And I got not that many because I just didn't have that many readers on Wattpad. But I did yeah. get a few. And honestly, really supportive people that have been, I honestly think, probably paying more than they could afford. So I feel bad about that. I mean, but I guess that's like the hazard of doing this. So, because the thing is, like a lot of readers, especially on, on serial platforms like these, they're from other countries. They're not necessarily like in America or England, you know. Anyway, but but yeah, like it's pretty cool. Yeah, that pro Patreon's been going for a while. It's definitely been a few years. Yeah. And have you seen those readers from Wattpad stick with you these years later or have some of them dropped off? I mean, I'm sure some of them dropped off, but have they stuck with you through these years? They have. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. No, I've gotten really wonderful comments, really great emails people telling me like this is there a lot of them have said this is the only reason they're on wattpad anymore like i would have quit this app a long time ago if otherwise yeah I feel like, well, one i think a lot of people have quit that app over the years but but also too that is really cool that you are one of the reasons they kept using it and now they don't have to use wattpad they can use plenty of other apps because your toys are available in lots of different places but that is that is a really cool thing and then you, when you went to royal road i'm guessing that's when your patreon started to grow definitely yeah so but Royal Road is kind of set up for that. That's really their model, their business model. Yep. Yeah. And, and you just did early access chapters. How much weeks ahead? Like when you were when you were releasing like these four chapters a day, like what were you promoting the subscription then? What was the early access kind of timeline like during that period? Yeah, I was. I was. So I'm very lucky that I am married to a web developer that is extremely good at writing scripts. So he was able to basically 
scripted out so I could very easily post chapters to my website and to Patreon and to get rid of them on Wattpad as needed, you know, so with the press of a button, basically. So I didn't have to do it chapter by chapter craziness. Yeah. Oh, wow. That, that is helpful. That is a very helpful hack. Well, I keep telling him you should sell these tools. There's authors that would want them. Yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Just one, one click. No, that's amazing. And then you got more people on early access. They're still there now getting early access for your next series or? No, I'm still going. The Torth series is still going. Still so, going. Oh, so there's hundreds and hundreds of chapters and it's still going. Oh my God. Well, okay. So I actually did just in the last, I think about a month ago, I edited it on Wattpad. I did, I posted the final chapter on Wattpad. Okay. So that is now done. <clears throat> I've left it up on Wattpad for now. I'm going to have to remove it at some point. And the readers on Royal Road are on the book before that one right now. Okay. They're almost done, but not yet. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, they still got at least a hundred chapters to go. Yeah. Probably 120 maybe. Yep. And I'm posting five days a week. So that's going to take a while. Yeah. They've got till probably at the beginning of the next year to, to finish. Yeah. Yes. Okay. No, that makes that makes total sense. You you've got the whole thing down. It's really cool to see. Thank you. Yeah, well, there's gonna be a gap because, you know, I just I honestly don't write that fast. So I, I think a lot of people forget the mistaken impression that I'm like a mad genius that's just like writing ten thousand words per day. But no, no, I don't write that fast at all. This was over years. So I'm currently working on my new series. I'm 15 chapters into it. And will I have 100 chapters by next year? I don't know. Maybe. So what will you do? And you may not have, you might not know now, which is okay. But for instance, with the people in monthly, there is a gap in what you're offering them. What will you do about that? Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out. I do have some like shorter books, like trunk novel kind of thing, a book that I want to sell to the big five that I'm considering pitching to the big five. And I have like some nonfiction stuff I've written and so forth. So I have plenty of material, but will it hit that audience? Probably. I'm not so sure. Yeah. You could always have seen some authors choose to do one of two things. Like you said, either offer some different kinds of material that will kind of, you know, what would be the word? I guess like lay, lay the readers over till, till the next story or sometimes authors pause their subscription when they pause the payments so that readers aren't continuing to be charged for maybe two or three months if they're not offering anything. Some authors choose to do that. And some authors, you could do this too. You might even want to start doing this depending on how your timeline goes. Although it's tough with Royal Road, but I've seen that paid subscribers tend to be pretty like open to like a break once every 90 days for like a week or so. If you tell them like, hey, I'm going on break, you know, I'm going on vacation, taking a week off. They're usually pretty open to that. And that buys you a little bit more time. But no, that's very, that, it's a good problem to have. But I'm, I'm excited for you to make that transition. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little nervous about it. It's, it's true. I don't know if I'm going to be able to retain people after Torth is done. But on the other hand, I do think that like having a Magnum Opus series where it's all pre-written and I'm really proud of the result. I mean, I do. I think that that does help with like lifelong fans or people that that are really like, okay, I want to see what else this author does. So yeah, I mean, you gain like the ultimate trust when they see that you like com complete it, the end, and that like you finish that arc. And of course, there's still more in the universe to be explored, but that you finish that story. I do think that yeah, that gets you a lot of trust. The people who who made it through it, and I think that you know they are willing to wait for the next one. They are willing to. Once you do one thing great like that, I think you, you get a little bit of leeway for sure. Yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, oh well. Yeah. You're doing your best, right? <laughs> You're having fun. That's what matters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I'm curious with everything you shared today, incredible advice. If there's anything else that you would want an author to know, specifically an author who might be thinking 
about getting into railroad, you know, pursuing a similar path that you had, what would be maybe your advice looking back at it, maybe looking back even to December that you wish you knew that? I mean, I think I think it's a lot of what I already said, like build backlog, set your pace in a sane way and not an insane way. Don't set a pace of four chapters per day or you will hate yourself. Be sane about it. I'd say respond to comments and be classy about it. Don't start ranting and abusing people. Yeah. Yeah. Being being kind, but making people feel noticed is, is usually a good role. I, I love it. Abby, this was this is an amazing conversation. And where can where can we find you and, and learn more about you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, my website is abbygoldsmith.com and that's A-B-B-Y. And my book is Majority. That's the series starter for the big magnum opus tour series. So right. easy to find with Google or whatever. Or the links down yeah. description. We'll definitely have it right down there. Whatever you're listening on, whether it's YouTube or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen to. Abby, this was a fantastic interview and just huge congrats on an incredible year. And I know it's just the start of the many amazing things to come for you and your readers. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me on. No problem. My pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this one. Abby's truly an inspiration and ah, like what, what a cool moment. I hope to see you all on the next episode. We have tons of episodes releasing this month. So just get ready. Lots and lots of content. And if you haven't yet joined the Six Figure Scripture Author Accelerator, Cohort 2.0 is open now through the end of the month. So check it out and we'll see you all on the next one. But don't forget, storytellers rule the world. Oh,